Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode four of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. Thus God, I trust, brought me to a hearty disposition to exalt him and set him on the throne and principally and ultimately to aim at his honor and glory as king of the universe. I continued in this state of inward joy, peace and astonishment till near dark without any sensible abatement and then began to think and examine what I had seen and felt sweetly composed in my mind all the evening following. I felt myself in a new world, and everything about me appeared with a different aspect from what it was wont to do. At this time, the way of salvation opened to me with such infinite wisdom, suitableness, and excellency, that I wondered I should ever think of any other way of salvation. I was amazed that I had not dropped my own contrivances and complied with this lovely, blessed, and excellent way before. If I could have been saved by my own duties or any other way that I had formerly contrived, my whole soul would now have refused. I wondered that all the world did not see and comply with this way of salvation entirely by the righteousness of Christ. The sweet relish of what I then felt continued with me for several days, almost constantly, in a greater or less degree. I could not but sweetly rejoice in God, lying down and rising up. The next Lord's Day, I felt something of the same kind, though not so powerful as before. But not long after, I was again involved in darkness and in great distress yet not of the same kind with my distress under convictions. I was guilty and afraid and ashamed to come before God and exceedingly pressed with a sense of guilt, but it was not long before I felt, I trust, true repentance and joy in God. In the beginning of September, I went to Yale College and entered there, but with some degree of reluctance, lest I should not be able to lead a life of strict religion in the midst of so many temptations. After this, in the vacation, before I went to tarry at college, it pleased God to visit my soul with clearer manifestations of himself and his grace. I was spending some time in prayer and self-examination when the Lord, by his grace, so shined into my heart that I enjoyed full assurance of his favor for that time, and my soul was unspeakably refreshed with divine and heavenly enjoyments. At this time especially, as well as some others, sundry passages of God's word opened my soul with divine clearness, power, and sweetness, so as to appear exceeding precious and with clear and certain evidence of its being the word of God. 
I enjoyed considerable sweetness in religion all the winter following. In January 1740, the measles spread much in college, and I, having taken the distemper, went home to Haddam. But some days before I was taken sick, I seemed to be greatly deserted, and my soul mourned the absence of the comforter exceedingly. It seemed to me that all comfort was forever gone. I prayed and cried to God for help, yet found no present comfort or relief, but through divine goodness, a night or two before I was taken ill, while I was walking alone in a very retired place and engaged in meditation and prayer. I enjoyed a sweet, refreshing visit, as I trust, from above, so that my soul was raised far above the fears of death. Indeed, I rather longed for death than feared it. Oh, how much more refreshing this one season was than all the pleasures and delights that earth can afford. After a day or two, I was taken with the measles and was very ill indeed, so that I almost despaired of life, but had no distressing fears of death. Through divine goodness, I soon recovered, yet owing to hard study and to my being much exposed to interruptions on account of my freshmanship, I had but little time for spiritual duties, and my soul often mourned for want of more time and opportunity to be alone with God. In the spring and summer following, I had better advantages for retirement and enjoyed more comfort in religion, though my ambition in my studies greatly wronged the activity and vigor of my spiritual life. It was, however, usually the case with me that, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, God's comforts principally delighted my soul. These were my greatest consolations, day by day. One day, I think it was in June 1740, I walked to a considerable distance from college in the fields alone at noon and in prayer found such unspeakable sweetness and delight in God that I thought, if I must continue in this evil world, I wanted always to be there to behold God's glory. My soul dearly loved all mankind and longed exceedingly that they should enjoy what I enjoyed. It seemed to be a little resemblance of heaven. Sometime in August following, I became so reduced in health by too close application to my studies that I was advised by my tutor to go home and disengage my mind from study as much as I could, for I was grown so weak that I began to raise blood. I took his advice and endeavored to lay aside my studies, but being brought very low, I looked death in the faith more steadfastly and the Lord was pleased to give me renewedly a sweet sense and relish of divine things, and particularly October 13. I found divine help and consolation in the precious duties of secret prayer and self-examination, and my soul took delight in the blessed God. So, likewise, on the 17th of October.
October 18. In my morning devotions, my soul was exceedingly melted and bitterly mourned over my great sinfulness and vileness. I never before had felt so pungent and deep a sense of the odious nature of sin as at this time. My soul was then unusually carried forth in love to God and had a lively sense of God's love to me. And this love and hope at that time cast out fear. Lord's Day, October 19. In the morning, I felt my soul hungering and thirsting after righteousness. While I was looking on the elements of the Lord's Supper and thinking that Jesus Christ was now set forth crucified before me, my soul was filled with light and love, so that I was almost in an ecstasy. My body was so weak, I could scarcely stand. I felt at the same time an exceeding tenderness and most fervent love toward all mankind, so that my soul and all its powers seemed, as it were, to melt into softness and sweetness. But during the communion, there was some abatement of this life and fervor, This love and joy cast out fear, and my soul longed for perfect grace and glory. This frame continued till the evening when my soul was sweetly spiritual in secret duties. October 20. I again found the assistance of the Holy Spirit in secret duties, both morning and evening, and life and comfort in religion throughout the whole day. October 21, I had likewise experience of the goodness of God in shedding abroad his love in my heart and giving me delight and consolation in religious duties. And all the remaining part of the week, my soul seemed to be taken up with divine things. I now so longed after God and to be freed from sin that when I felt myself recovering and thought I must return to college again, which had proved so hurtful to my spiritual interests in the year past, I could not but be grieved and thought, I had much rather die, for it distressed me to think of getting away from God. But before I went, I enjoyed several other sweet and precious seasons of communion with God, particularly October 30 and November 4, wherein my soul enjoyed unspeakable comfort I returned to college about November 6, and through the goodness of God, felt the power of religion almost daily for the space of six weeks. November 28, in my evening devotion, I enjoyed precious discoveries of God and was unspeakably refreshed with that passage, Hebrews 12, 22-24. My soul longed to wing away to the paradise of God. I longed to be conformed to God in all things. A day or two after, I enjoyed much of the light of God's countenance most of the day, and my soul rested in God. December 9, I was in a comfortable frame of soul most of the day, but especially in evening devotions when God was pleased wonderfully to assist and strengthen me so that, I thought nothing should ever move me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh, one hour with God infinitely exceeds 
all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. Toward the latter part of January 1741, I grew more cold and dull in religion by means of my old temptation, ambition in my studies. But through divine goodness, a great and general awakening spread itself over the college about the end of February, in which I was much quickened and more abundantly engaged in religion. This awakening was at the beginning of that extraordinary religious commotion which then prevailed through the land and which the college shared largely. For 13 months from this time, Brainerd kept a constant diary containing a very particular account of what passed from day to day making two volumes of manuscripts, but when he lay on his deathbed, he gave orders, unknown to me till after his death, that these two volumes should be destroyed, inserting a notice at the beginning of the succeeding manuscripts that a specimen of his manner of living during that entire period would be found in the first 30 pages next following, ending with June 15, 1742. Except that he was now more refined from some imprudences and indecent heats than before. A circumstance in the life of Brainerd which gave great offense to the rulers of the college and occasioned his expulsion, it is necessary, should be here particularly related. This concludes episode four of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd.